Welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 12. I'm Elena. I'm Rachel. And we are here tonight to talk about Sunshine by Robin McKinley. Sunshine was originally published in 2003, and it won the Mythopoeic Fantasy Award for Adult Literature in 2004. Um, That's really the only, like, award-type commentary to say about the book, but um, if you know much about fantasy or young adult or sort of the girls fantasy robin mckinley is a huge author in that um i think she's been writing since what the early 80s um in that genre and most of what she writes is really either fairy tale oriented or kind of high fantasy so sunshine is a pretty big departure because it's like modern urban fantasy post-apocalyptic fantasy vampire like not at all related to any of the other stuff she's done um so that being said uh rachel what is this book about okay (laughs) sunshine is about uh a young woman that lives in kind of a, a nondescript future town that is one of the only uh, real towns left after some sort of post-apocalyptic uh, a magical war slash event between humans and what I consider uh, magical beings, like the traditional stuff like wares and demons. Um, and I guess there were also some bad wizards. And she is a, a baker. She is the head baker in a in a coffee shop that's owned by her stepfather and her mom. And it follows her adventure, her kind of unwanted adventure of <laughs> of being kidnapped by vampires, escaping from vampires, making friends with the vampire, and then having to help that vampire defeat um, the original vampires that had kidnapped her and him. Uh, it's it's really strange because like I'm a big fan of Robin McKinley and so I was kind Mm -hmm. of prepared for stuff to not make a lot of sense but boy does this book not make a lot of sense (laughs) (laughs) but that's kind of the main story there's a lot of other stuff going on but you know she's her her dad is um uh he turns out he was a wizard and that's one of the reasons that her her parents split up is he was kind of, probably kind of a bad wizard from a a bad sorcerer family and and so she's got these latent abilities um and those abilities help her both escape from the vampires and fight them later on with her friend vampire Constantine Yeah well I I mean I think you summed it up um pretty well um the only other thing I might add, and this is just more on the genre talk, like I think if this were published now, it would probably be considered new adult or at least marketed to that um, demographic because Sunshine is like old enough that she would be out of college, but probably not very far, although she didn't go to college. She just um, she graduated high school and became the full-time baker. Um, and so it's kind of like, it's published as, a, as, as an adult novel, but it straddles this weird line between, like, it's it's not young adult, but it's definitely not, like, what you think of as adult literary fantasy either. Yeah, yeah, it's not, because it doesn't have, like, the unsure kind of coming into her own type of, uh, like, you know, like, 17-year-old kind of, you know, 
main character. Like she's sure of herself. She knows who she mm-hmm. is. She's sexually aware. She has a boyfriend. She has a good job. She's really, you know, comfortable with her job and with her relationships with others. And she's like a self-sufficient adult. Yeah, but at the same time, there's obviously like a half of her that she doesn't know about or doesn't like acknowledge that then kind of comes roaring to life and presents like this whole existential crisis. And that's her her magic handling and that side of her heritage. So there are still elements of that, like, you know, who am I? What am I doing? What is my purpose kind of um, thinking? So um, I guess we can talk about the other character or all the characters in the book. So Sunshine um, is the main character and... I don't know, like, in a lot of ways, she's the only character. (laughs) Yeah, everything's, um, like, everything's really in her head. Everything's in her head. Yeah, like, it's it's very, I mean, it's a first-person point of view, um, like, narrated book, but it's also, like, deeply in her head. And so everyone else is truly, like, a secondary character to Sunshine. Yeah, it's almost Um, like as if you're reading, it's almost as if you're reading, like, an after-the-fact recollection of what happened. mm Mm-hmm. Or listening, it's more. It has much more of a of an oral tradition than it does a written tradition. At least it reads that way. Lots of tangents. Yeah, like it, <laughs> yeah, right. And 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 the, and the voice is very like casual, and it's very um, like she includes the the ugly bits, like the parts that aren't like flattering to herself, but that really like humanize it. And you know, versus what you might write into a formal account or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you've already mentioned um, Constantine um, is the vampire that she makes friends with. So we can talk a little bit about him, too. Um, I mean, it's, I guess, worth noting that he is a very old vamp- vampire, but he has, um, quote, one way of being that is unusual amongst vampires. And so he retains a lot of the qualities of a younger vampire, like he can come out in moonlight. He doesn't have to you know, only be out at midnight on a new moon kind of thing. Um, yeah, let's, and... so let's talk about the vampires. So they're not like sexy, yeah. like Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> like vampires. <laughs> they're, although no. apparently the clothing they wear is, is identical to what they would wear in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But, the you know, like they're they're gross. She she goes on and on about how his skin is like an old mushroom and that <laughs> they, they don't move like humans. It's almost boneless or like watching one of those horror movies where things flicker in and out. Um, yeah. They're not, it's not like a sexy, uh, you know, Dracula kind of seduction. It's, it's and definitely no Twilight, no Spark. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's very weird because, you know, you're reading it and you're like, oh, okay, here's the vampire, here's the guy. And you're like, oh, no, he's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's, I mean, there's definitely elements of that um, sort of, is this attraction, is this, you know something beyond friendship or isn't it to their relationship but like this is a like these are horror vampires but like not even like the horror tradition where it's like you know the horrors that you want to be seduced by them you know like it's they're genuinely horrific like these are genuinely like monstrous creatures and so you know there's a tension the whole time where like the physical instincts of her human body are saying this is a predator yeah this is wrong you know and she like has to consciously fight that bat which is interesting yeah why do you think that is is it i so i read the whole you know like the whole time i was like okay 
why like there's a lot of things about him that are very traditional vampire right he like of course he's the oldest vampire and of course he's not like other vampires and (laughs) you know he's he's not very um he you know he's very closed-lipped and and stoic and you know all those things that you expect but he's also just kind of like he barely he can barely communicate with her sometimes because he's talking about ideas and sensations that she just doesn't have, right? And he barely remembers yeah. what it's like to be human, or at least I, like he was human because he talks about being turned, but it's not explained how that happens, or you know, like the the way stuff works in this book. Don't I mean we still don't know why he can walk under the moonlight and do any of the things that he can do because it's never explained. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, why can sunshine? like hold her own with the him is it because she's also a powerful you know sorcerer or is it just because he's that different um well i, I think i think it's maybe at first it's it's a combination of the two um but i mean at the end when she has that dream with her grandmother she i think it's definitely implied like you're very strong i mean everything like is building up to like you're an incredibly strong handler and like you have all this internal power that you, you know, are finally like tapped into. Um, at first, I think it's partly because Constantine is weakened uh, from having been like chained to a wall for, you know, and, and not allowed to feed for two weeks. And partly because she has the innate kind of power. Um, in terms of how much his quote way of being affects, um, his vampire powers like that's really hard to say because obviously he has things that the other like old vampires don't have and so in that in some ways that makes him more powerful than they are um i don't know i i always thought the implication is that he's like the vegetarian vampire like he eats animals rather than humans and so he kind of it's never said but that was what i think i always like read into the gaps there right or that Um, he's eating pure people or people <laughs> like things or, that don't that aren't full of like evilness and torture and and or fear right. and and pain yeah like maybe he's the dexter of vampires <laughs> where he you know only hunts the evil people and then like gives them a nice quiet death and like instead of trying to torture them and like draw it out because he talks she talks somewhat about how the a lot of vampires like to play with their food and torture them because it, like i guess the fear and the adrenaline gives the blood like a spice and but yet that that's also very corrupting to the soul or whatever it is. And so it ages vampires in a way that like hunting for blood, but not sport maybe doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not explained. familiar with it because, you know, when he finds out that she's a blaze, you know, her, <laughs> that, that like, he's like, Oh, Oh, you know, if I had, if I had drank your blood, like I would have been super powerful. It would have been like, you know like getting a star in mario kart you know like it wouldn't have lasted forever but it would have been real good and real helpful for him uh so he he seems to you know know that and his his master has was one of those very traditional kind of hilariously traditional vampires because when (laughs) she goes to his lair his master's room is like dracula on acid (laughs) yes that was was an epic moment where she's like you know, wakes up in, like, a silk shirt, like, covered in this weird fur from an animal she can't identify that's, like, hundreds of years old. And, you know, she's drinking out of this, like, jewel-encrusted goblet. 
Because it's probably the only fucking cup he's got. <laughs> like, he's probably like, oh shit, I gotta give her some food. Oh, here, drink out of this magical goblet. <laughs> oh, Constantine. I, I think he pretty much admits that, or like, it, it, at least he was looking for something that would be human rather than vampire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like she's she eats lots of fruit and veggies, so he's out there just eating things that eat fruit and veggies. It's a wonder he doesn't eat her. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be unprincipled, and he's nothing if not a gentleman. He's very he has he's such a gentleman. Yeah, and so... everyone has amazing names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so who who else? Um has the amazing names uh, to you. The, the baddie, Mr. Beauregard. Mm, yes. It's, it's very like Suki Stackhouse. Like, I feel like this could all possibly be in the same universe, you know, except that Robin McKinley's take is a lot more sophisticated and literary. But it's it's got mm-hmm. that, like, feel, right? Where it's, it's a lot of traditional kind of, you know, other kin in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a recognizable world. Less sex, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say of, of all the uh, the vampire, um, especially, like, modern kind of vampire stories, the that the Sookie Stackhouse world would be the closest in feel to this. Yeah, like, this is up north somewhere. Like, this is Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. Or what used to be Pittsburgh. New Arcadia. Where do you think, where is New Arcadia? It is never said. I think I think it might be stated that it's the United States at some point, but it's like never made more clear than that. So about the only thing I think we can eliminate is Arizona because it's got trees and a lake. Yeah, you're right. You're and I'm right. like, and, and she doesn't talk about mountains because I realize there's probably lakes near Flagstaff and there's definitely trees, but I feel like mountains would have been mentioned if they were like around. So like it's not Arizona. So it's like probably the middle. Not yeah but yeah but it could also be like pacific northwest you know i don't know so like uh, hard to say um okay so other characters worth mentioning there's a a whole cast of people around the coffee shop it's owned by her stepfather charlie and um there's her mother who um her poor mom i feel bad uh Okay, so this is the weird thing about her mom. Her mom is, like, omnipresent in this book. We never actually see her, like, on page. She yeah. doesn't, you know, like, she gets, she's just not present in the story, even though she's, like, all over the story. And it took story. me a while to realize that. Like, she kept, she mentioned her so often and, like, mm-hmm. explained what her mother was doing around her so often that, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, she would find the the charms that were left everywhere or reference the fact that they were always arguing or, you know, that she was this presence. And yet, I'm like, hey, wait, no, we've never actually spoken to her or seen her or anything. Yeah, there's, like, no actual direct conversation with her mom in the entire book. It's, it's, I don't, like, I'm trying to think, like, from a, from the author's, like, perspective, like, why do that? Um, I'm going to guess that it has to do with preserving the, um, image for the reader that Sunshine has of her mother, whereas if we get to see her directly in action, we might form our own opinion. 
Right. So, like, maybe not a conscious, um, unreliable narrator thing, but, like, we're maybe not where, like, Sunshine's consciously, like, editing the story she's telling, but, like, on McKinley's part, like, if she, she wants the Sunshine version of Sadie. She doesn't want us to actually form our own opinion of Sadie. Mm-hmm. It like and she every single person in this town is like some kind of secret badass, right? <laughs> like, like everyone has this presence, or everyone's afraid of them somehow, or they have their table, or they'll you know they mm-hmm. they're good at intimidating some like crazy person that's walked into the coffee house, or they're all secret cops or spies. It's just it's an amazing. You know, cast of characters like she doesn't know anybody lame or at least she doesn't notice anyone lame yeah like it, it's kind of well it is kind of like the the way um true blood ended up i, I didn't read the Suki stackhouse novels but i assume the show was like true to this at least by the end of it everyone in that whole fucking town was something like there were no like normal boring human people mm-hmm. anywhere and it was you know the book definitely has that feel where by the end of it, like, everybody is something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe it's... not Charlie and her stepbrothers, but, like, they're the only ones. Yeah, they're the only ones. And that's because they're her stupid brothers and she doesn't care. Well, and I think her mom, like, went out of her way to find, like, the most normal, most human, most, like, unother person in the world <laughs> yeah. to fall in love with after being with Sunshine's dad. <laughs> so, so there's Charlie and her mom. And they run the coffee house. And then she has her apprentice, her apprentice baker, who appears to be just kind of like this kid that's there to open up her schedule so that she can <laughs> do uh, illicit things on her on her mornings off. Yes. And, um, I forget what his name is. Jamie? Jamie? Uh, Polly. Polly. Sorry. I think it was an IE name. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then her boyfriend, Mel, who is like the cook the head cook in the in the coffee house who starts out as like kind of like a big puppy dog boyfriend to mm-hmm. former bikers maybe murderer and by the end she's convinced he's a sorcerer <laughs> mm-hmm. like i i don't know it seemed like a weird i'm like sunshine are you just blind or is this <laughs> It's just like she talks about his tattoos all the time. Like he's got these tattoos and he's got them because he's a biker and he did bad things and he needs those charms on his skin to like help him and blah, 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 blah. And then like two thirds of the way through the book, she's like, oh, he's got charms. Why would he need them? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like she spent a lot of her life really, really, really not thinking about things and not thinking about implications. And then like we catch up for like the four months where she does nothing but think. And like overthink and uh, <laughs> think think through these things uh, that maybe there's a lot more going on than she ever thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100 percent certain that she's a she's a part blood. Like she seems to be convinced that she is. Oh, yeah, no, that like that whole like I I found that whole ridiculous, but that whole plot thread ridiculous, and I I forgot. I guess I, f- I always forget about it because I think it's so stupid that like she spends literally two-thirds of the book like having a freak out about like well human like magic handler and demon crossbloods like go crazy like they're criminally insane and she thinks that that she's one of them and that that's why she's having all these like you know power you know things happen and like this affinity for her friend constantine the vampire because i, I don't know that we've mentioned just how like verboten 
like the, the concept of human vampire alliance is to this world like it is basically everything in the world versus the vampires like yeah. there is no forgiveness there is no room for exceptions there is no tolerance and so for her to like rescue a vampire because she helps him escape from the house when she escapes and then like continue to know him and be friends with him is like to her this is criminal insanity that she would do this because that's how her culture in this world feels about the vampires yeah and i have kind of a personal theory about this so sunshine's parents split up when she was what like like a toddler six i think so okay yeah so she was young but not too young she has memories of Mm -hmm. her parents she doesn't she seems to have like built kind of like a wall like like that she can't remember it but you six years Mm -hmm. old you can remember that so i have this feeling that she's so kind of either traumatized or really angry at at her father for kind of like not fighting for her you know Mm -hmm. like her her parents split up and her mom took her to keep her safe but like you know you would expect your father to be like no she's my daughter i love her i'm gonna see her and i'm gonna teach right. her and i'm going to be you know be part of her life but that never really happened and you know she doesn't have proof that her father and then later on her her grandmother were killed in the wars but that's what she tells herself because she lost this contact with them so i have this kind of weird feeling that she's so angry at them that she has gone on her life resolutely determined to be as normal as possible and that absolutely yeah and so she's denying any of that any of the any of the lessons that her grandmother taught her as a child you know any even like her mom embraces charms and stuff and she's always like those are annoying i hate those that's stupid um but -hmm. then you know when it becomes very clear that she's not no, quote unquote normal then the next normal thing to be is some sort of part blood right not like a crazy mm-hmm. sorcerer who has an affinity and communication with vampires because that's too off the wall crazy no one's ever been that before so it's more normal for her to be a part blood so she kind of decides that she is and that she's gonna go crazy and kill everyone mm-hmm. even though she's never had any kind of impulse to do that ever yeah and I mean I think that's I think you're you're absolutely right that that's why she is is doing that because you know at first you're maybe tempted to blame it on her mother like oh well her mom fed her all these crazy you know stories and um is so like anti-sorcerer and anti-magic that of course she wants Ray to be that way but I feel like the fact that she won't ever ask her mother any of these things mm-hmm. or won't ever like directly talk to her mother about you know anything um kind of implies that on on some level it is like sunshine's choice and it's yeah it would be much more normal for her to just well i'm just criminally insane because clearly mom had a demon like great 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 something and uh yeah because god forbid she inherit anything from her father you know it's weird right anything significant um whereas like i mean over the course of the narrative it's very clear to the reader that she's obviously like a very strong magic handler and it's just coming straight from daddy and (laughs) whether she likes it or not that's you know what it is and so like for me as a reader it's really frustrating because i'm like dude how could you like i I get like ignoring it from childhood but like once it sort of reawakens and you manage to escape vampires with it like how could you not then go on a spree to learn as much as you possibly can find a mentor like ask your mom dude mom do you have 
like wh- where did where was dad's family like i'm gonna go look for them i'm going to find them i need someone you know, like why wouldn't you do that why would you like i mean i get like being traumatized for like a couple days but i'm just so i guess i'm so curious and like insatiable for for knowledge like I would go after that one yeah, way or and another. Yeah, she's been, and she's always had this kind of weird curiosity about vampires and stuff, and you know, and to the point yeah. where she pays extra for. We have to talk about the dark net, but she pays, <laughs> she pays extra for what is essentially, you know, an internet connection to the part of the internet that allows you to research paranormal stuff. She pays mm-hmm. extra for that. Even though she doesn't give a crap and she's really normal and I don't, it's just a passing phase. And well, she she loves others, but she's not she's not other herself. She's just like a got a little goth girl who's fascinated yeah, because yeah. her world is so human and normal and boring. Except that she's paying extra for an internet connection that automatically puts her on a list to be watched by the government. <laughs> so it's a little bit more hardcore than just like a goth girl, you know, on a message board. But right, but that's what she tells herself. <laughs> so let's let's just before we talk about the rest of the characters, let's just talk about the dark net because I brought it up. Yeah, I don't understand it. So is it what happened? It's it, I assume this is what's happened with the internet in a world that's like post magic apocalypse. Like it's the internet plus magic put together. Yeah, or it's like maybe the internet fractured into different. Um, sort of uses and like because of the um what do you call it? utilities are so like spare after the the war like maybe it's like instead of having one sort of you know internet you have like now five internets and so oh, you pay right. for like the ones that you're going to use or something like yeah, that Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't tell if it was just like a technological look if it was pure technology like a you know just like library people accessing information and sharing files or if there really was like an an object of like intangible magicness to it yeah that that is also not explained so um well, I mean, as you said, there's a lot of things that aren't explained, and I, I actually don't mind that because, it, like, it, it does just allow you to be fully immersed in the world. Like, to her, it makes sense. To other other characters, it makes sense. So mm-hmm. she doesn't have to like stop and explain those things. Um, so I, I don't necessarily mind that, but you're right; it's 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 left unclear. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly works for her because you know there's clearly a method of training yourself. If you have a magical ability, you know, people, she, she meets other people that have been trained that have masters, you know, but so there's, Mm -hmm. there's a system and she can presumably access that system and she never chose to. So she's very much into like only things that are normal, only, only non-magical stuff. Yeah. So she wouldn't be like necessarily explaining to the, to this, disembodied person who she's telling the story how magic works right when she tries it's kind of disastrous (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so there's malher maybe sorcerer ex-biker killer fought in the wars saw some weird shit boyfriend Mm -hmm. who i kind of feel bad for by the end of the book uh yes totally um although look um the, I mean, she basically admits from the beginning that the reason she and Mel have a relationship that works is that they don't ask each other questions and they give each other space. And so it's kind of like they both have their own little bubbles and she doesn't ask him about his tattoos and he doesn't ask her about like the weird, you know, 
scars that show up on Whether her body. Whether she's and... other other people. <laughs> <laughs> Sunshine. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, at no point did I get the um, impression of, like, deep and undying devotion to Mal. It's more like he was convenient. And Oh, but she had that, say that vision. See, no. See, at the end, when she's having the vision of her grandfather or her grandmother coming to her and ex- basically kind of explaining shit to her because we might be confused. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she sees... Um, the 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 one lady that everyone thinks is like some kind of like were squirrel and mm-hmm. Maud mm-hmm. who are like doing some sort of seance in in the in the coffee shop and then Mel is there and Mel is like feeding her energy. Like is that a vision or is that what they're actually doing while she's missing? Oh, I I thought that was um an implication of like that's what they were actually doing because that that happened while she was like fighting the um the master vampire right so that's why i'm like mel isn't just like well whatever like mel is like there for her he's like got her back well yeah i'm not i'm not talking about mel i'm talking about sunshine toward mel like she finds him convenient and like i'm not saying that there's not genuine affection or even love there but it's not like devotion it's not like the kind of undying devotion and maybe it could become that. I don't know. I I personally feel like they need to have a little more honesty, transparency <laughs> in that relationship before they get there. I mean, we can start a new series on like, you know, trust and intimacy in your romantic relationships. Yeah, hopefully that, hopefully that... Pat will run his mouth a little and tell tell Mel what he saw at the police well, house. More more than that, let's hope Sunshine will, you know, finally get over herself and actually like tell him what happened and like of her own volition say hey i'm apparently this like badass magic handler i don't know like maybe like there's just she's so closed off and unwilling to like let go of any of her secrets or any like dismantle any of her barriers that it's like it's a relief when her landlady finally is like yeah so uh you got a vampire friend huh uh, yeah. let's talk well, about that you, uh, oh, you know her. and actually like force her to have a fucking honest discussion with somebody in her fucking life because you're just like girl girl well the fact that like, she thought that her landlady wouldn't notice that like she's that shenanigans are afoot and that like <laughs> a vampire's been walking in and out of the house and like the ma- the magical cops the sofs have been like kind of driving by every single night like she just was so like up her own butt that she didn't think that her landlady would notice (laughs) meanwhile her landlady's like actually i'm a super powerful ward maker i know everything you're doing i know everything you're thinking i know there's a vampire upstairs and like tell me what's going on (laughs) and and by the way do you need a mentor because i feel like you need a mentor right now Mm -hmm. no um (laughs) <laughs> yeah well it's just um i mean i I, th- I think what it is kind of indicative of is like when you when you do close yourself off like that much you start to lose track with uh, of like what relationships with other people actually can be and like what other people are capable of because you get like so up you know up your own head you're like i'm the only one that can possibly like understand this or notice this or you know understand this perspective or whatever and until you actually test that you don't know for sure that you're the only one you just get to be happy assuming that but yet 
everyone she actually has an honest conversation with is pretty fucking understanding. So understanding. (laughs) And the reader is understanding. It's like you have you have a reason for the things that you're doing. Like, just explain your reasons. And they're probably going to be okay with it. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I feel I feel like, you know, the last the last hurdle for her besides Mel is really kind of telling her mom what's going on. Maybe mm-hmm. she feels like because her mom rejected her dad that if she's like her dad that her mom will reject her. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. But, you know, um, that's stupid because that's her mom, you know? Yeah, but, you know, she and her mom have a strange relationship and they fight a lot. And so maybe, especially if you're, I mean, looking at the fact that she is still a pretty young adult and, um, you know, in some ways, like, never... Like, even though she lives apart, like, she sees her mom every day at work. Like, they, they haven't had, like, the true kind of separation and, like, going about your, living your own life and becoming your own person. And so, to in, in that way, like, thematically, it's part of why I feel it's, like, would, would be a new adult book now is that, like, this book is about Sunshine deciding, like, to be her own person and to embrace that other half of her heritage that, feel, that she feels like her mom kind of wanted her to reject and like took her away from i'm just not convinced um, that that's what her mom wanted at all um I'm just it's not. it's it's so hard to say I, I feel like if her mom really is like the uh, the full metal bitch she makes her out to be that she would not want her daughter denying um her power if she had it because i mean that's the sort of thing if you are a strong handler either you use it or it's going to use you like mm-hmm. and her mom can't be blind to that you know and so maybe her mom's like breathing a sigh of relief when she's like oh yeah grandma just like we just talk about shit we don't do anything you know like she's been lying to her mom about it for years for like a decade at this point or you know 15 years or something um and maybe that's why her mom doesn't like push her on it i don't know but well, yeah, and she I, keeps like, everything really close, you know, close to the breast. Like, she's not telling her mom anything, but her mom embraces the parts of magic that she thinks are useful. I think maybe... Right. I'm, I'm wondering if the, the, the fallout between her, her parents wasn't about magic in general, but more of a very specific use of the magic. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's about the fact that her dad was an asshole. Yeah. Um, and had nothing to do with magic at all, but that was, like, the only, like... Maybe that was what her mom, like, said as an excuse to try and explain to a six-year-old, like, you know, what was happening. Or maybe it was um, just what, you know, what Sunshine remembered about her father. And so she, like, in her head made up that that story. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, it's so hard to say because, again, we don't get her mom's perspective. And she doesn't even, like, off page have an honest discussion with her mom about it. But, like, I just feel like her mom would understand how dangerous it is for her to be like pretending she doesn't have this side of her and not want her to like go running around yeah, she blow herself up. And, <laughs> and and vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. So like her mom's very practical, but maybe that's why sunshine doesn't want to talk to her about it. Cause she's still too busy, like not wanting to deal with it. And she knows if she actually admits it to her mom, her mom. Well, I'm like, also wondering if that's why her mom was so against her living on her own because she can't be monitored. You know, it's like she's going home yeah. and she's doing who knows what she's laying around in the grass, 20, you know, 15 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> right. And no one, no one knows, but the landlady who's not talking. Uh, but right. I think that's, that's why uh, Con- Constantine, Connie, as I like to say, Connie, mm-hmm. uh, Connie, why he's such a good foil for her because he, one, 
I mean, yes, it's in her head, but like Sunshine never stops talking. Like she <laughs> she abhors a vacuum and she will fill it with inane mutterings, natterings, ditherings, mm-hmm. and segues. <laughs> Like, sometimes it's like I would find myself glazing over because I'd be like, oh, my God, what were you even talking about, Sunshine? And then she'd loop back around to the point. I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. But, <laughs> so she, like, you know, is just muttering all the time, talking. I, I assume she's a person who talks to herself constantly. And then there's Constantine who's just, like, nothing, right? He's just, like, silent. Yes. He's very – he thinks. And then he just says it. Like, there's no, no preamble, no – you know tact just says what needs to be said and she even says at one point like god you don't you can't even like say like oh no maybe maybe later instead he's like tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and and i think like that it's a it's just a night it's nice to see that kind of energy because he kind of grounds her and forces her to deal and like you know accept things It's like tomorrow we're going to go fight a giant, you know, like a vampire boss and we're probably going to die. And she's just like, what? No, but, but, you know, I'm going to invent a new recipe for a new kind of scone. And it's like, no, sunshine, deal. (laughs) You have to deal. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, no, um, it, he, he is very wonderful <laughs> well the, the other funny thing is this she gets all like butthurt and mad at him because he like won't tell her anything and i'm like girl hot meat kettle this is like you with every person in your life We're i know like, uh, i'm not gonna tell you i don't remember i, I, don't, I remember. don't know i don't i don't what's over there <laughs> it's like what, what's wrong with her interviewing her is got is got to be hilarious so she has you know, so she she does most of her day making, uh, you know, goodies at the coffee shop, and then a lot of times throughout the narrative, she gets pulled into the kind of magic police headquarters, and she, so there's these these you know officers, and they all seem fairly decent, right? Like she knows one mm-hmm. of them is kind of fucked up because she finds a bad charm in her car, so she knows that some of the SOF put it put it in her car, which is never resolved, but no. You know, she's got Pat. Pat's the one that can turn blue, right? Yes. Yeah. So Pat is like, she really, like when they bring her in, you know, at the beginning, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, we're not trying to like scare you or kidnap you or coerce you. We're we're, we're trying to get you to help us and, and to make you trust us. We're going to tell you that we're all like fakes. We're all part bloods and like half demon or whatever. And yeah, so that whole special other forces are only human and completely anti-part bloods bullshit <laughs> yeah, it's completely bullshit because you need special powers to fight things with special powers so it makes complete yeah. sense <laughs> but you know so you know one of them if he holds his breath he turns into a big blue demon <laughs> and like that's bizarre <laughs> but cool um but you know like they're her they're her friends and they check on her and they like legit like they want her help obviously and she has abilities that they want to use but that's just human nature and right and you know they have they have a a goal they want to save humanity from the vampires because the vampires are winning the war and she's just very much like what no they're just following me around they won't leave me alone it's like well yeah because you're crazy you're not talking to anyone you disappeared for three days you're you're strange you have injuries no one can understand 
like you you are exhibiting the classic signs of a person who's hiding some shit <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah like again to the outside observer it like it's not hard it's not it's not a hard equation but like sunshine because she's like i guess i guess her she's so invested in this i'm just charlie seven's stepdaughter like there's nothing special about me like she's so invested in that image that she like she finds it truly like on the edge of impossible to understand that literally everyone else in the world doesn't see her that way and she's and like she's very accepting of it like okay there's pat the 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 demon she thinks that the, the one of the waitresses can keep coffee hot um she's she learns that her landlady is a ward keeper she's pretty certain and like accept more and more you know accepting to herself that her boyfriend has magical abilities uh Mm -hmm. you know she's friends with vampires like all of this shit like her best her best friend emil who you know is supposedly a librarian and a librarian is actually just like a part-time sof hacker and (laughs) she's just kind of takes a lot of it in really good stride but she thinks that everyone is going to just lock her up and throw away the key if she tells them by the way i i can do stuff with the sunshine (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can transmute objects and possibly make it so vampires can walk around in the sun now i can understand why she would want to keep that secret (laughs) right like that part yes but... but just saying i can transmute stuff i transmuted a key and ran away from the from the vampires well, during yeah. the day, that seems like okay. People would be like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, you're magical. That makes sense." Yeah. Well. Oh wait. Oh, you're a blaze. Your your dad was Onyx Blaze, like suspected sorcerer, like highest level magic handler from a high level magic handling family. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for this for ten years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that she could have gotten them off her back from just telling that much of the truth from the very beginning. Instead, we get this amazing thing at the end where they get pulled in immediately after, like, their boss fight, covered in guts. (laughs) And Constantine has to pretend to be a human being. Like, I have to... So, I was reading that really fast because I was trying to finish for this recording. And And I I had to go back because I thought I had missed something. I was like, why do all these people think he's human? Because he's using his his vampire glamour on them. (laughs) I mean, I guess i feel like everyone knew he was a vampire and it was all just yeah, a big they, game of chicken they, well they totally did and that's why the uh that's why the the um i guess the soft manager the goddess of pain as, as they call her who is i think is pretty strongly like implied is a sorcerer herself and not an ethical one um that's why at the end she like flings open the uh the window she's like i think after a night like this we all need some sunshine yeah, and, uh, the window, and he's just—I mean, it was such a good like. Could you imagine that being like, like the season finale of like season two of Sunshine? Like it just, yeah, it like worked. It, it did, and uh, I mean, it, and it was such a way to like call the bluff. And the only, like, the only way, like, because they literally wouldn't be able to imagine that she can like shield him from the sun. So like, they're like, oh, okay, I guess he's not a vampire. Whatever he is, not a vampire. We're, we're all cool here, but good people. <laughs> yeah, so actually one of the parts that I tagged to read is the part where they're all um, at the end after they've killed Bo. And, they're, and they've <laughs> been kind of jumping in and out of 
the netherworld and the real world and fighting vampires in and out and like rain of body parts and like all this horrible <laughs> shit. So they finally killed, well, Sunshine kills Bo and Constantine kills all of the minions and then he helps her. There's some, yeah, some shady shit at the end where she's kind of like freaking out and, and I guess poisoned by the act of like reaching into this old ass vampire's you know chest cavity and and you know ripping his heart out so he like feeds her some of his blood which i guess because he's like a vegetarian vampire it doesn't i don't know i don't know what that was it was weird yeah anyway so they get picked up by the sof and they're they're there being interrogated by the miss the the what's her name the goddess of pain yeah (laughs) and everyone for whatever stupid ass reason thinks he's a human being um so they're just kind of asking them dumb questions. Um, and Sunshine is kind of, you know, looping endlessly in her mind, like all the dumb, you know, like all the ways that they could think he's a vampire and not think he's a vampire. Um, anyway, they're just asking him like dumb questions. And it's like, who is your landlord? I do not know. I pay the rent to a post office box in rain dance. The rental was arranged to an agent. What agent? I do not remember. The papers are at home. You could produce <laughs> the papers. Yes. What brought you to the area? It's natural beauty. That's, <laughs> and then this is the goddess of pain that's asking these questions. And, and Sunshine, Sunshine says, that stopped her for a moment. She wasn't a trees and sunset sort of person. I wondered vaguely where she lived. She wasn't a downtown high rise sort of person either. Nor could I see her in a grotty, unorthodox old town. I couldn't see her redoing one of the houses in Whiteout. I couldn't see her as a person with a life. I imagined her spending her off-duty hours folded up in a drawer, if she had any <laughs> off-duty hours. Like, what? <laughs> folded up in a drawer? Like, <laughs> like an old dummy? Like, I don't... It's such a weird scene, because, you know, they're covered in... You're like, oh my god, you're really worried that someone's gonna realize that Constantine's a vampire and that they're gonna stake him or something, because they're in, like, the place where everyone knows how to do that. Meanwhile, they're just asking him dumb questions. Where do you live? I mean, like... They think that they've somehow escaped from vampires, but they're definitely suspicious that they're not. So they're interrogating them, which is wrong. And Sunshine's just thinking to herself, dumb shit, like, oh, I wonder if she has a life. What do you think her apartment looks like? (laughs) (laughs) But that's her MO. She, like, focuses on this really, like, like, small, detailed, irrelevant shit in order to, like, avoid comprehending, like, the enormous, like, she's, 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 like... I'm not going to look at the elephant in the room, so like I'm going to look at the, uh, look at the straw. Yeah, you're like. right, and there and there's that's kind of echoed in the text too, where she has a hard time looking people in the eye, and then she can look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's kind of always looking off to the side or looking at things sideways, and she even solves the problem of Constantine in a sideways manner because like all that stuff's happening, he's being interrogated, she's. She's trying to figure out how to get him out and you know, the sun's coming up and she just kind of casually reaches into her hand and takes out one of these talismans that she's been carrying around and like chucks it at him and he catches it. And that, I guess, is like a sunshine battery and is able to shield him <laughs> from the sunlight while she's not there to do it. Yeah, or like it of... puts him inside her boarding or something. Yeah, like she charged it up and just tossed it at him but i thought that was another part i had to go back and reread the paragraph because i was like wait what the hell did she just do because she just kind of just does it 
And she does the yeah. same thing at the end when she just decides to start, like, when they're waiting. You know, when after the goddess of pain opens up the window and they're just staring at him, waiting for him. I imagine all these people. <laughs> she said there's, like, 15 people in the office. They're all just standing there staring at Constantine, waiting for him to burst into flames. And it's not happening. And he's sitting there staring at them and they're staring at him. And Sunshine's in the corner counting to 60. <laughs> She just decides a full minute. It's going to be great. It's going to be worth And then she just bursts into tears. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. When all else fails, just cry. <laughs> yes. Um, well, uh, there's definitely some, uh, some gender bias in the book. Like, I, one of the things I highlighted, and it was completely irrelevant, was just, you know, the whole, like, I'm a girl, I'm going to just cry, and everyone's going to, like, be flustered and, like, let me get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's it a comment like the how... Beginning, though. There's, there's a comment how, like, most of the old, like, boss vampires who run gangs are men. And I was like, why? Like, wh- why why is the in, in, an implicitly, like, male thing to do? Or is mm-hmm. the implication that, like, you know, females are, like, prey items and victims, but rarely turn. I mean, there is mention of, like, female vampires, but it's just kind of in passing. Um, well, there's so mention that she can't tell the difference, right? Like... Uh, well, that's... Yeah, that's true. But then again, she can, because there's that whole scene where she's trying to have sex with one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she is super aware that it's a dude. So, lots of lots of dick talk. Like... I'm like, yeah. what's happening? So this scene, let's unpack that scene. So she yeah. just, she thinks that Constantine's going to come and like, I don't know, do the weird angel thing at night where he like comes to her and tells her things and he and he doesn't show up. And so she has this kind of bad feeling and eventually it becomes like a real bad feeling in it. And she's like, oh, we're actually bonded because he helped me and all this shit. So she goes to Yolanda and Yolanda's like, oh, I'll help you. You can like do a... I thought that they were, like, going to just, like, mind connect. Instead, she opens up, like, a portal and, like, shoves herself into his room. And when she shows up, she's all naked. She doesn't even say, hey. She just starts trying to bone him. It's so weird. (laughs) And it's all like, oh, he's cold like a corpse. Oh, now he's warm like a lizard is warm. Oh, he has a boner. Oh, I'm going to kiss him. I'm like, this is the least sexy thing I've ever read. And then she's, like, super cranky and pissed about it. Like, uh... Yeah, yeah, because he's like, oh, what? What's happening? And she's like, um, excuse you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sunshine, okay? Everyone wants this. <laughs> um, yeah, that was... That was a weird scene. It was um, weird. <laughs> It was weird. And, like, I mean, it's Robin McKinley, so I, again, I kind of know what to expect because I've read a lot of her other books. But I was, one, it was more graphic than I was expecting from a Robin McKinley book, and yet not romantic enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was expecting there to be something at the end that kind of indicated. I mean, I guess I'm just being picky. They did indicate that they were, you know, going off into the night together and that they were going to stay friends and that they didn't want to just stop seeing each other and that they really did, like, enjoy each other's company in, like, a weird way. Right. But there's... But it's also, like, this... 
weird like is this friendship or is this like you know Romeo and Juliet <laughs> oh but like I mean I I prefer to read it as simple like friendship and you know that I don't know there's um what's the uh I mean I kind of just read it like that too I feel like the weird like boner thing was an accident <laughs> yeah like it's just it, it's like you you know it's your mind it, it's I, and I guess it's something that our culture doesn't necessarily like talk about a lot like noticing quote sexually relevant stimuli is not actually the same thing as being aroused and turned on by them so like I feel like she confuses the fact that she noticed like his hey I just came back to life and there's a warm female under me boner like for like it's like she noticed that and then decided that she was aroused by that even though she on a lot of levels isn't well i think also she's she's full of shit because we're talking about a girl that has been reading like essentially vampire porn (laughs) no no vampire porn is illegal like (laughs) yeah like it's like the most illegal of all illegal that's the real reason she pays for the no but she specifically <laughs> said it's illegal but you could still get it especially if you just wanted to write it yourself <laughs> all right we're talking about a we were no she's full of shit okay <laughs> she got there she was naked she brought she brought him back to life right it was her it was smelling her and feeling her that brought him back to life his connection with her and she was so turned on by that and i think either he's i mean i don't know do vampires normally get boners it's really hard to tell like is this weird for him is this is he just kind of like oh wait i don't want to eat you like you're my friend is it you know like is that where it goes is that the only way that happens like it's kind of hard because you don't get his POV. But I feel like from Sunshine's point of view, she was like, oh, all right, let's do this. And then he was like, no, I don't, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> and she got all like pissed off and mad. But she saved his shirt, right? She saved mm-hmm. the dress that he saw her in for the first time. We're talking about a girl who has a really hard time admitting shit to herself, right? Yeah, no, she yeah, you're, she has a total crush on me. Yeah, total crush <laughs> on the mushroom skin vampire. The mushroom skin vampire that gets inexplicably hotter and how he has nice big hands and she <laughs> likes the way that his temp he can adjust his temperature and Oh, what else does and she it, say? Oh, she's always talking about how big he is. Like he starts out like he's he didn't have any bones and he's like a snake demon and now he's like this big solid, you know, fiery, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I see you, sunshine. Read read your book. <laughs> and how his eyes kind of go from like stagnant pond water to, to green. like yes. to green. To green. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's why she doesn't want to tell anyone because she's gonna have to like understand what it is that happened and how she feels. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to also, talk about, there's also the detail that she always hangs out at Mel's house. Like, they mm-hmm. always go do what Mel wants to do, right? She has sex on Mel's roof. Mel does not com- come to her apartment, whereas Constantine is constantly in her house. Yeah. Well, no, like this, um, 
well, like, like the whole dynamic with her and Mel versus her and Constantine. Again, it will to call back to our last episode. It's like the you know, um, what's her face? Uh, oh, Feyre. Uh, Feyre, thank yeah. you. I'm like trying to say Ravenna. I'm, I'm like, like what, no, did, what did we? What did we read last time? I'm like, all right, Freya. No. <laughs> Like, A Court of Thorns and Roses, where, like, Feyre's able to have, like, super honest discussions with Reese uh, at the end of the book. And, like, she's like, yeah, you already know all my secrets. You are my dirty secrets. Like, no holds barred here. Mm-hmm. And yet she can't, like, have a real conversation with uh, the dude she's supposedly, like, in love with and, like, just, you know, was willing to die for. So, okay. You, you carry on with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I'm sad for her because, like, it seems to be... So Constantine says early on, I think, you know, because of your affinity for the sun and that, that, that kind, you know, the kind of magic that you have, I don't think you can be turned. You could only be killed. Mm-hmm. And right. yet, you know, he helps heal her with his blood or with the blood of the dough that he collects. And then he also uses his heart's blood to give her energy. I don't really know what was happening there. Was she dying? I don't know either. Uh, like, I, I also read that part very quickly and I was like, what the fuck just happened? He, like, I she... feel like he was sliding up like, hey, drink this. maybe maybe it was just like to super like mario charge her like uh Mm -hmm. here like have this have this level up we gotta get like oh it's over we're both alive now we have to part forever i have a way Mm -hmm. that that would never happen yeah yeah i don't know i don't know (laughs) seems unnecessary But they had to they had to escape the rain of body parts, so he's get fed her his heart's blood. It makes sense. I would do the same. Yeah. Well, they they had to they had to escape the uh, the fact that I guess the the part of reality that Bo had constructed his lair around, which was maybe like straddling like the space between like vampire space and human space, that was collapsing, and maybe it's like if I give her my blood, I can like keep a better hold on her and like you know help get her out i don't know yeah <laughs> it was yeah. it happened it happened in a mad rush for the reader as well as sunshine <laughs> it's it's um, interesting i just don't know you know i feel like i mean at the end it's very clear like they're like well bye okay bye i mean you don't have to go if you don't want to yeah i mean i don't really <laughs> want to go yeah you can stay <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, they're four. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in some ways she seems like she probably is about like four. Maybe six. We'll give her six. Six. In terms she's of gonna be six years old. That's where she's just like shut down. Like that's where her emotional development stops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I noticed in our notes you did, uh, uh, just so we can finish everything, um, you yeah. made a note about how Sunshine doesn't really have any, uh, like, possessions. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't really notice that because she has, like, the three pathetic little possessions that she, like, uh, you know, gets over the course of the narrative. But you're right. She doesn't really own anything. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like she almost is expecting her life to, like, to be uprooted at any point i don't know like it's just like on some level she recognized that all this shit could happen you know mm-hmm. like with her magic like kind of flaring up or like it's just basic instability but i don't know she it's it is weird that she's so like simplistic 
I mean, so there's the scene where she goes um, antiquing with with uh, her friend Emil, and she you know she gets books, and we know that she has some books, and they seemed really expensive for what they were. So I guess books are hard to come by. I, yeah, I think I think in like the voodoo wars, a lot of like stuff got destroyed. So like, oh my gosh, a book deal is like two for seventeen dollars. Yeah, like I that was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like wow, there's not a lot of books left. Also, what do you get paid working at the coffee shop? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> so like she has that stuff right, and she has like the little charms that she picks up in her pocket knife. Uh, yeah, and she gets and then but and she gets the necklace from from Connie, but like not like that's it. She doesn't really have like we know she has an assortment of tank tops, but her whole life is really the bakery mm-hmm. and her function there, right? Because like she feeds people, they like the food that she makes, and that's really it. Like she doesn't have like nobody yeah. comes to her place nobody really hangs out with her outside of that like they know her as Sunj- I mean that's her even her real name no one even calls her by her real name they call her by the nickname that her stepfather gave her you know and that's like her identity in the coffee house yeah so I think you're like yeah she's almost it's almost like she's waiting for her real life to start well and I, I feel like um, near the end there actually is a line about that like um, where she's like now like now now my life starts or something you know something like that maybe it's in the dream with her grandmother or maybe it's like when she's reflecting on that either or maybe it's like right before it happened i don't know but i feel like she actually like has that line um in there like she's finally willing to admit okay i have this power and it's big and i need to use it both for my own sake but also for as like the duty to humanity you know with great power comes great responsibility type stuff Mm-hmm. And um, so she's finally like accepting who she actually is and like embracing her destiny, so to speak. Or, like, you know, um, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. <laughs> like, she finally has her Simba moment. She's like, I have to go back. I have to I have go to back. Go back. <laughs> I have to find my. It, um, I mean, there is no sequel to this book, right? Correct. It came out in like 2004, you said? 2003 yeah so gosh there's been time um well i feel like um i've I've read an interview with mckinley because apparently she gets asked this like a lot (laughs) like well because it seems like there should be at least one other book it yeah no much is left undone yeah and it sets it up so well and it's like it would be so fascinating but i think she's like no i i told the story that i wanted to tell and like to her like she hasn't said definitively she won't ever write one but just for the story that she wanted to tell like that was it and she doesn't in her mind there isn't like more or at least not yet yeah i mean like they could go she could go find her grandmother or you know Mm -hmm. any of that stuff but that's one of the things i do like about mckinley is she she writes worlds that are big enough that when the story's over the you know there's there's other stories that could still be out there happening it's like that nice kind of fuzzy feeling where it's like oh you know they're out there and they're still doing things they're still having adventures because of Mm -hmm. some of the things that weren't closed up and because she introduced you know avenues for the characters to go down that we didn't explore and i i mean it's an old i guess nowadays it's a really old-fashioned way of writing 
And I've always mm-hmm. kind of associated her genre style with more of an older fantasy type. But mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. I love it. I love that when you close the book, the story isn't over. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's actually a good um, segue into one of the other things I wanted to talk about with this book, which is like how, for all that it is, completely outside of both McKinley's normal genres and the normal, I guess, genre for this story... It is such, like, an epic fantasy coming-of-age story. Like, the hero's journey, where you have this, like, kind of, like, the modern equivalent of, you know, Frodo the, you know, or Bilbo the Hobbit, like, he lives happily, like, under the hill in Hobbiton. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the um, Randall, you know, was it Randall Veer, like, you know, farmer's son who, like, you know, doesn't, doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground kind of, like, lifestyle. And then um you know is awakened to like the fact that he has this power this you know destiny and like the, i don't know like I, I made some notes about it it's like what all is there it's like the small town ignorant heroine with a lot of potential that's awakened whether she likes it or not a quest she has to solve whether she wants to or not with the most unlikely alliance possible shitty and insufficient instructions from the people who were supposed to train her i.e her grandmother her father her mother she eventually finds the wise mentor who can assist but no longer lead the learning path, which is Yolanda. She conquers the immediate crisis, which is Beauregard and his gang, and then the future is like wide open with possibilities. I, like it's, I mean, it's set in this weird like cross genre between like horror and post apocalyptic yeah. and um, you know uh, urban fantasy with like also this dose of almost like cozy mystery. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird like cross genre setting, but then like the story itself is so traditional. You're, I think you're right. Yeah. It's weird because you're tricked by the fact that it's set in this kind of near future, mm-hmm. you know, very sexy now kind of like post-apocalyptic urban fantasy landscape and it it's shocking to see mckinley right in that genre but also Mm -hmm. refreshing but yeah it is a very traditional like if you just took away the cars right and like yeah just made everything you know if everybody wore like the the long black flowing shirts and cranberry silk dresses like then it's a typical McKinley But then we wouldn't get the amazing (laughs) description of Constantine's black, silky, like, what is he wearing? Yes. Oh, my God. So um, did did you happen to highlight any of the stuff in his house? Oh, with, um... (laughs) Because I... I, Yeah, like, if you you did, like, go to it. Otherwise, I'll do a keyword search and try and figure it out. Fur. Fur will get me there. I don't think there was anything. Yeah, that was the only thing with fur. <laughs> yeah. So furs. Because um, I don't want to bring check. up every, like... I mean, yeah, the, the the cabinet with all the charms in it, that's really just a bunch of, like, cherub's faces. And then, like, the fireplace. The fireplace is, like, laughing demons or something. Yeah. Like, a table with, like, a naked lady and her breasts are, like, holding up the table. <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. Um, but so okay. I looked around a little more. The only light was from the fire, and my dark vision was sort of half confounded by something about this place. Maybe just the thundering excess. Still, I could see a lot, and it was all pretty bizarre. The fur I was wrapped up in appeared to be real fur, long and silky, in jagged black and white stripes. I couldn't think what animal it might be. Something that didn't exist, perhaps, till a vampire killed it. 
With the slinky black shirt and the bruises, I felt like something off the cover of this month's Bondage and Discipline exclusive. All I needed was ankle bracelets and a better haircut. The buttons on the back of the sofa I was lying on were tiny gargoyle faces, sticking their tongues out or poking their fingers up their noses. Every now and then they weren't faces at all, but pairs of buttocks. The sofa itself was some kind of purple plush velvet, except that the shadows it laid were lavender. Well, if I could travel through Nowheresville, I suppose I shouldn't protest that shadows were lighter than their source, or about furs from animals that didn't exist. My, uh, my knowledge of natural history in black and white didn't extend much beyond skunks and zebras anyway. Maybe it did exist, whatever it was. The fur could have been dyed, but somehow this didn't suit my idea of vampire chic. Actually, Khan didn't suit my idea of vampire chic. This hectic gothic sensibility was a surprise. <laughs> and so she, you know, asked, she mentions it. And he's like, oh, this is my master slayer. Like, this isn't mine. But mine's like the he, room over there with no furniture. <laughs> yeah, he sleeps in a marble, an, an empty black marble room. He's a vampire aesthetic. Like, he's, he's like, he probably doesn't feed as often and... He's like emo vampire versus like... He's emo, sad vampire boyfriend. I get it. I've got a read on him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, the, the the weird like, but that's so sunshine. Let me. I'm gonna. I wonder what kind of fur this is. Oh, I don't know. I can't think of an animal that's this one. Oh, and then you, and then she segues away from it. Then back to the fur. Mm-hmm. It's like what? What's wrong with her? <laughs> well, she definitely has like squirrel brain, like for squirrel sure. brain, like heavy. <laughs> oh, uh, but. I don't know, like, I actually appreciated the the various ways that this book kind of plays with the the different genres that it's straddling, because it's, I mean, it's an urban fantasy, but it's not really like any other urban fantasies that I've read, at least, and it doesn't, it doesn't fit, like, a lot of the tropes, even though, like, it, like, it, it hits, like, things on the checklist, but still feels completely different. Same with, like, its position versus like most other vampire books and mm-hmm. um you know she, she she really acknowledges the um the, the vampire literature history because i mean this being like a continue or a future of our world like sunshine is actually read like dracula and you know some of the um, other classic vampire literature that like we would know um and some of the things like the master vampire that had changed Khan having this like ridiculous like over the top you know, almost like Barbarella-esque lair. It's, it's like it's oh, kind yeah. of... Oh, yeah, I think she does a shout-out to Gormenghast, which I love. Yeah. That, I love I mean, Gormenghast, yeah. It, it's very it's very intentional, and Sunshine's very aware of the irony of, like, wow, this vampire definitely, like, lived down to a, <laughs> the, the cliché vampire lair expectation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely tongue-in-cheek. Which, I don't know, since I feel like in some ways this book was... And, and, I, and I've never, I've, I haven't read, like, McKinley actually, you know, talk about why she wrote the book. But my personal take on it, it it was, like, her being fed up with, like, the romanticization and fetishization of vampires and, like, paranormal romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even to some extent in, like, urban fantasy, if they're mostly treated like they are in Buffy as opposed to, like, as, you know, objects of actual, like, fearsomeness to, to be feared, to be, like, horrified by, um... And so that's kind of what prompted her to to write it at all. Is like, well, what would actual like 
horrible vampires be like, you know? Mm-hmm. And would there then be any way to cross that bridge? Yeah, she did a good... It's like it lands somewhere between like the Underworld books and Suki Stackhouse. Yeah. She would probably um, hate both of those comparisons. I'm sorry, Robin McKinley. But it's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm skimming through our notes, um, such as they were, uh, just to see if there's anything else that I listed that we didn't talk about. Um, no. So, uh, is there any? Is there anything else that you feel like you need to say? I mean, I thank you for having me read this book. I, I remember back when this book came out. I when I had a friend who was like, "You need to read this book. You need to read Sunshine." And I don't. I don't think I had really truly discovered Robin McKinley at the time or I had, but I wasn't interested in the vampire books. I just remember being like vampires. No, ew, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and she's like, no, but it's not like that. It's, you should really read it. It's really good. And I remember her telling me that it was that like, Oh, it's about this girl. And she has these superpowers with the sun. And I, <laughs> for whatever reason, it didn't work. I was just like, that sounds dumb. <laughs> But, you know, when you read it, it's so much more organic. And I didn't even really remember her telling me to read this book until I was, like, well into it. And then I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, this is that book with about vampires where the girl has superpowers, <laughs> like, with the sun. So, anyway, thank you for finally getting me to read a book that I apparently have been told to read for more than 10 years. <laughs> okay, well, uh, my only other question to you was, did you like it? Because... Uh, that was ambiguous in the things you texted me about it. I mean, it's okay I, if you didn't, but I'm curious. I, no, I did. I like. I liked it. I liked the beginning more than I liked the end. Um, the middle was a little hard for me. I was like, "Oh my god, sunshine, for God's sake!" But I, and I, I and the beginning was kind of like, "Ooh, shit's gonna get real," and then it never really got as real as I. Was. Sorry, I just dropped a thing. I'll edit that out. It never okay. really got as real as I wanted it to, but I did like it. Um, and I just had to keep reminding myself that I was reading Robin McKinley and that I wasn't going to get all the answers. So yeah, I solid. I don't. I what is our what is our rapidity level? Solid like six or seven. It was good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, for for me, like this is probably I don't know. Th- this reread is between six and ten. Um, and it's one that like I always think of as being a book i really enjoy but then i'll get like get into it and be like ah i forgot how much i love this book but i will say like for me this time at least like the middle kind of like drug yeah (laughs) it's hard it's it's, hard to like get through especially if you're trying to read it in just a few days like we did i would i would recommend that people give themselves a little bit more time because if you're trying to cram her segues are hard (laughs) yeah and and there's like you'll get these like paragraphs that are like you know 30 lines long and there's nothing in them that's relevant and then you'll get like one line of relevant shit and so sometimes like you don't especially like you're skimming or you're bored with it you don't know what like you might miss um, yeah, like I almost missed the the, the phantom kiss like when Constantine yeah. is like in her room and then he leaves <laughs> I'm like oh, yeah, ex- wait exactly why, why are you why are you feeling something on your mouth like yeah. <laughs> did that yeah. happen or, or, or didn't it you know yeah um it's definitely, but here's the thing. It's like, it's one of those books, I guess in a way it's kind of like the Snow Queen where like, it's very dense and like very sensory oriented, mm-hmm. but like it, 
is still moving the yeah, story. Yeah, feel, more. don't tell. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, feel, don't tell. It's not show. This is feel. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna feel it. We're gonna we're gonna think it along with you. But like it's it's everything. But I don't know. It's um like I really enjoy it. I like the I like the narrative voice. But it's definitely like it starts out on a high, kind of dips, but then it it ends on a on a pretty good note too. Like the. The, the final like hunt with Bo is pretty uh yeah awesome. the last the last like because it's in like four sections so like that last yeah the fourth section is pretty great and it's also a lot more humorous at the end than I thought it would be yeah well cool well I appreciate you uh you reading it I'm glad that you enjoyed it I'm glad that uh I could you know knock one of your like books off your t- old to read list um so then what are you gonna have me read next so I I only I have two titles in mind. Okay. So I'm gonna let you decide um, because you kind of assigned me something that's kind of a pseudo horror book. I wanted to do the same for you. Okay. Um, and I have two very drastically different books, but I, I consider <laughs> both of them to be kind of pseudo horror. Okay. Um, so you can either choose option A. Which is pseudo horror, anthropological, sci-fi, psychological stuff, or you can choose option B, which is more of a classic fairy tale with horror elements um, in like a more traditional kind of romance setting. Hmm. Hmm. Uh. Neither of them sounds like a book that I've knowingly read before. <laughs> uh, like, uh, are you willing to give me titles? Oh yeah. So the the sci fi um, option is would be our first cherry book. Um, it's called Rider at the Gate. Uh, okay. And then the other version would be Uprooted by Novak. Okay. I think it's Na- um, Naomi Novak, I believe. I'm looking it up. Hmm. Well, I know. And either way, we'll read both, but... Yeah, okay. Uh... Shit, I'll go Uprooted. Um, okay. Only, be- only because I think it's one that I've had another friend recommend to me, or at least another friend read, um, So, uh, and tell me about, which usually means like the that she expected I would find some value or interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's a really beautifully written book. Um, and I think it's got just enough, it's not, it's not as like psychological horror, but it's like, it's similar to Sunshine in that it has like horror elements. Okay. All right. Um, well, cool. Uprooted by Naomi Novak it is. Yes. Cool. Well then happy reading. All right. Happy reading. And, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)